Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm Sherry Budziak, CEO and founder of .org Source. Association 4.0 is how we describe skills needed to navigate Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. A robust virtual program is one of those game changers. In this presentation, Sharon Rice, Managing Director of Business Strategy for .org Source, outlines how to create an education strategy that will keep your members coming back for more. Hi everyone, my name is Sharon Rice and I'm the Managing Director for Business Strategy at .org Source. Today I'm going to talk to you about how you can create an education strategy that will keep your members coming back. We're going to start by examining the trends in professional education and these are trends that have been occurring over the course of a number of years. And then we're going to also look at how the pandemic has accelerated these trends. We'll examine what employers are looking for from the investments they're making in professional education for their employees. And then we'll look at how information and data can be used to not only increase the number of members and customers that you're serving, but also your share of customer. So we've really been seeing a lot of changes in how professionals learn over the course of a number of years. And one of those most important trends is related to the difference between learning and skilling. In a 2019 study that Harvard Business School did, it really took a look at what the uh, motivation is for making this transition. And if you think about uh, standard association programs, they're heavily learning based, which means that there's a transfer of knowledge. The thing that we're measuring is the retention of that knowledge, not necessarily the application. When we talk about skilling, Certainly we're talking about the transfer of knowledge, but we're also looking at how that knowledge, that new knowledge is going to impact how somebody behaves or how they perform the work that they're doing. So the difference then between learning and skilling is the outcome of skilling is a change in behavior. We're now able to do things that we weren't able to do before. So again, there's knowledge transfer and, and learning is still important, but skilling that measurable impact has become absolutely vital, especially as we right now are seeing that there's so many different skills that we have to attain in order to keep up with the digital age. There's also a transition between standard and customized. So typically what we do is we develop a program, an education program that's going to meet the broadest based needs, right? So we think about uh, certification prep programs again. We're getting people ready to take the certification exam. The certification exam is based on standards and it's not really tuned to individual performance. It's really more broad based. And again, there's a role for that. It's still really important. But what's happening in professional education is that we're starting to work on uh, focusing on the individual, where the individual is, where their knowledge gaps are, and how do we then meet those knowledge gaps. And our ability to do this, to really develop custom education or work with or partner with our members and our customers so that they can get what they're looking for has a, a real strong basis in digital technology and data and our ability to understand them, to assess them, and then point them in the right direction so that they can fill gaps that they have. 
Certainly for a number of years, we've been looking at and wondering when we were gonna hit the tipping point between in-person and online education. And I think one of the things that's been so difficult and maybe why we've been a little bit slow, a lot of associations, by the way, a little bit slow in making that transition and delivery to online is that they were so successful in person. And I would say right up to the pandemic, there were so many associations that really counted on in-person delivery to drive their education programs. Others have made that transition to online for sure. And it, to me, I feel like it's you know maybe a 50-50 proposition, but certainly the pandemic made it a necessity to start gearing up online delivery as quickly as possible for those associations that aren't doing it already. Another trend we were seeing is the move from structured to informal education. So when I talk about structured education, what I'm really talking about here are three-hour programs, full-day programs. We are moving through a table of contents in education. Um, the employee has to take time away from their job to be able to participate in these programs. They may be in person, they may be online. The trend we're seeing is to the more informal learning. And informal learning takes place in a whole lot of different contexts, right? It can be sitting next to somebody that's showing you how to do a job or to give you that information you need to be able to do your job. It's searching online for information. It's reading articles and books. It's self-motivated and it's very acute. It's just in time. I need new information. I need a new skill and I'm going to be self-directed in going out and getting that. That's what we're talking about as more informal learning as opposed to just taking classes. Similar to that is the difference between scheduled and spontaneous learning. So scheduled learning is certainly when we take a class or we go to a conference, and these are still pre-pandemic especially, popular options for people. Um, and we'll often hear that, that people feel good about getting away from the office because they can really concentrate. But the majority of learning and skilling, especially that are taking place today, are happening again on the job when the person has realized they have a gap and a need for information, a need for new knowledge or a need for a new skill, and they're going out and they're getting that just in time, spontaneously to fill that gap. And we're also talking about a transition between hours of education to minutes of information gathering and skilling. So this is the micro learning trend, moving away from delivering content and programs that are three hours long, one day long, three days long, to being able to produce and offer our members micro learning. And I define micro learning as content generally that's going to be five to 15 minutes, maybe all the way up to an hour long. It's very specific, it's very topical, and the good news is I think that it's very easy to develop and deliver. Last year, Harvard Business School did a study that was really impactful in my thinking. And it, uh, the study was called How the Workforce Learns in 2019. And what was important about this study is it really showed where these shifting trends were coming from and how professionals actually learn today. And so this representation, this dial that you see is my own representation of, of the study. And the way we're gonna read this is starting with quarterly, we'll go clockwise from the activities that professionals engage in the least to the ones that they engage in the most. So if we look at quarterly, you can see that 
um, a very large percentage of the respondents said that they attend conferences, maybe even on a quarterly basis. It's a little bit hard for me to understand, but I think about conferences maybe being more annual, but I'm assuming that this means uh, workshops and seminars as well. And the slice of the pie, by the way, is indicative of how many respondents uh, said that they participate in these activities. So quite a few still go to conferences. Then we see that a number of, of participants are also indicating that they're going to live courses at work. So this is still a pretty popular option, even though it's somewhat infrequent. And then also a smaller group are doing online courses at work or during the workday. When we move to the monthly activities, you see there's quite a few different kinds of monthly activities and they're roughly engaging in them at about the same level. So professionals are going to webinars on a monthly basis. That's easy to understand. I think associations are offering a lot of webinars these days. They may be taking online courses on their own outside of the workplace. They're seeking feedback from wherever they can get it. It may be from uh, fellow employees. It may be um, from their bosses. They will take online courses um, at a slightly less uh, lower rate through their employers. So that's essentially probably on the job as well. But look at networking. Networking is still really important to professional development as is mentoring. So moving into weekly then, the th kinds of things that the professionals are doing on a weekly basis, well, they're reading a lot of books. So books, whether they're reading them online or they're buying hard copy books, still um, really important to self-directed learning. But now we're seeing some of the impact of the digital age on education. So we're going to videos and presumably here we're talking about YouTube videos. So this is that micro learning content. It's not online programs, but more um, kind of spontaneous searching for content on YouTube or other video sources. They're listening to podcasts and so podcasts are increasing in popularity right now. They're using social networks and to a much lesser extent mobile apps. And then finally, on a daily basis, professionals are engaged in a lot of search activities. So Google um, Chrome becomes maybe that, that primary way that they're accessing content or Internet Explorer, Bing, whatever they're using. And they're searching for and getting content um, as they need it just in time and reading a lot of articles online. Now, notice what you don't see in this dial are certification programs, the mainstay of so many associations education strategy. Well, the reason you don't see certifications is twofold. Number one is that professionals don't engage in certification on a regular basis. Now, maintenance, yes, and that's included in the activities around the dial, but they don't go after certification after certification after certification program, right? It's rather limited. And if they do, they probably are only doing it on an infrequent basis. Um, you wouldn't even seek certification on an annual basis, so it's not included. But the other thing that was really interesting about the Harvard Business School study is it's showing that very few professionals actually engage in certification activities. So it's less than 20% of the professionals that were responding to the study said they engaged in certification-based or driven activities. And so this is something that's really important. I want to stop and think about this a little bit with you. 
If your the mainstay of your education program is certification, and certainly certification has been a durable product line for most associations, and um, you may be during the pandemic see more people engaging in certification. You may not be. Um, I'm sure that some associations are struggling with certification. I know a lot are doing well still. Um, we tend to see professionals come to certification programs in a difficult economic times because they're trying to shore up um, their career and, and holding that credential, their certification is important. But what we're seeing with the millennials as the uh, largest generation now in the workforce is that standard certification programs are not as important but stackable credentials, badging, um, instead of, you know, kind of biting the bullet and working for 18 months to get your certification, being able to build a credential on a week-to-week -week or a month-to-month -month basis is becoming much more important. So if you've been super successful with your certification programs, more power to you. But if you're not looking at how even the workforce is responding or will respond in the future to certification, then you may be caught up short. And this is something you really have to consider. So the bottom line here is that an education portfolio needs to be diverse. And we need to look at and recognize how professionals are learning today and how do we check these different boxes to make sure that our members and our customers are coming to us on a frequent, not an infrequent basis. If employer training or corporate training is an important mainstay of your education strategy or your portfolio, then it's really important for you to understand what employers are looking for from these investments that they're making. What is the return for them on the investment in professional education? PwC does an annual study. It's on number 23. I think that the, uh, the data was actually collected in 2019, but it was released in 2020. And basically they're making the point in this study that to upskill or not to upskill is no longer a question. Again, we're reinforcing this concept that it's about skilling, developing skills. And in the, in the um, study, they make this point that I think is vitally important. The fourth industrial revolution has ushered in new business models and new ways of working that require critical new technical, digital, and soft skills. And boy, if we ever, needed to learn this lesson, the pandemic is helping us to do that. The WorkSource has been talking about this now for a number of years, the, the fourth industrial revolution and how it's the basis of such great change in all the different ways that we work and that professionals do their jobs. And so employers are looking for programs that not just generally um, create the rising tide that floats off boats, but they're really looking for individual employees to gain new skills. It's not really an option because of the uh, seismic nature of the change just to hire in new people with these skills. The workforce isn't prepared. We, we don't have the supply that we can bring in. So one of the most important things that professional and trade associations can do is identify what the new skills are. What are these trends? What are the new skills? And how do they develop programs, micro learning programs primarily, that are going to help address skill development? Now, fundamental to this is also assessment. So every employee, again, is not going to need the same information. Employees have different skills. 
different competencies. So we need to be able to work with our employers so that they can assess the skills of the workforce at the uh, macro level, but also at the individual level, and develop programs to help them meet the skill gaps that they're experiencing. This is absolutely vital, import, vitally important to a return on investment in corporate education. So as I stop to consider the impact of the pandemic on the trends that we've been seeing, the conclusion that I've drawn is that the pandemic has accelerated, not changed the trends. And if you think about it, all of a sudden, we were not able to offer in-person education, face-to-face -face conferences. We had to shift pretty quickly um, to a new model. And I know that that, especially fall season being conference season, many of you are probably right in the middle or have just experienced your first online virtual conference. We had been looking at virtual conferences for a number of years because we were aware of the fact that we weren't pulling as many professionals to conferences often, that their travel requirements or of their job in general made them not as anxious to go to in-person conferences. And a number of associations that I've worked with were already starting to have a virtual components to their uh, to their conferences, but very few had to do a full virtual conference. So very quickly, we had to gain those skills. However, these were not things that were new. And I think that one of the, the uh, graces of our situation as we go through the pandemic is that we already had a supplier community that was working on online and virtual conferences. And so we could connect with them and transition our meetings online. And we will probably never go back to just face-to-face -face conferences. Um, I think that in the future, we will we'll maintain virtual components to the conference, even when we get to a point when we can meet face-to-face -face again. So again, my point is here that the pandemic showed us that we needed to change fast in order to meet the trends that were already happening in the marketplace. So it's acceleration, not redirection, that we're experiencing right now as a result of the pandemic. We know we need a digital and diverse program portfolio. It's more important than ever. Uh, so many associations were so dependent on their face-to-face -face meetings that the pandemic represents a great threat to them from an income perspective. And some are navigating, are able to navigate that change and some are not. So diversity in that portfolio is more important than ever. And when we go back to the wheel that I showed you a couple of slides ago, the diversity is there. Our professionals are already accessing information um, and skill building activity in a wide variety of formats. And so we have to incorporate that as well. The other thing that is increasingly important is that personalized consultative approach to skill development. So this has been a digital trend, the impact of digital and data for I think a number of years. It's even more important right now. Our for-profit competitors are able to do this to a large extent. We need to know more about our members at the individual level, and we then that diverse portfolio of products that we're developing will be able to custom uh, develop learning journeys for them and skill development journeys for them. So we need to know more about them, and frankly, we just need to have more programs in order to meet their needs. 
I've talked today, I feel like a lot about micro learning because I think it's such an important component of putting an education strategy together today. And what I want you to know is that it's really easy, especially easy compared to how we put traditional education programs together. So the content I'm delivering to you today is an example of micro learning. I put 30 minutes of content together and it was really quite simple. I just used PowerPoint. In PowerPoint, you have the ability to narrate a deck. You can also use video over PowerPoint. And here's the keystrokes. You go to slideshow, you hit record slideshow, you turn your camera on, and then you hit record. And you're able to create content using both PowerPoint and video to get your message across. Now, putting it together was also fairly easy for me. I mean, I know the content area, so that's helpful. But I spent about an hour and a half putting the slides together and then about another hour and a half recording it and getting it to an acceptable level for me. And that was really it. Can you imagine engaging your members and other professionals in putting this type of content together? It's not a lot of time out of their day. Of course, you would curate it. You've got to provide direction in terms of what content you need, but actually delivering the content and microlearning content through a YouTube channel or other methods is really not that difficult. And it's something that you really seriously need to consider. If knowledge is power, then what do you need to know to be able to create an education strategy that's going to meet the needs of your customers and your members today and tomorrow? Well, it starts with understanding what skills and competencies they need to have to be able to sustain their careers. So let's use the certification model and kind of compare and contrast to that. When we're putting together a certification program, what we're really trying to discern is what are the standards in, in knowledge and behavior that a professional needs to do the job today. And we go through a process of a job task analysis with a type of a survey. We hire a psychometrician. They help us put together the content of the exam based on these, these standards in knowledge and skills. What's different here in terms of putting together a more broad-based competency framework is that we're not going to look at just the standards that exist today in the marketplace, but we're going to look beyond. What we're going to try to do is anticipate the skills that the workforce is going to need en masse and at the individual level to be able to sustain those careers. And doing this work is really standard fare for a lot of associations. It's a perfect type of responsibility for volunteer leaders to come together and to start creating these competencies in an in, outline or a framework fashion so that we can then develop an assessment based on those standard competencies uh, for individuals to take and to compare their skills and their behavior and their knowledge to what we're saying is the, is the competencies and the skills that the workforce is going to need in the profession. So the first step, again, putting that competency framework together. The second step then, a very important step obviously, is putting an assessment together. And putting an assessment survey, there are a number of associations that are doing this. The first association that I remember doing this was the American Institute of Architects. And they put together, again, a competency framework, and this was way back in the early 2000s. And they would have their members then take the survey so they could compare their skills and their behaviors and their knowledge at that point against these competencies. And they were able then to create 
a uh, kind of an individual report where the individual professional would say, okay, I need to build my skills in these areas if I want to hold this position or if I want to get this job or if I, I just want to stay relevant in my profession. So turning those competency frameworks into an assessment is absolutely key. And this can be done again in relationship to a researcher or a psychometrician helping you put that survey together. There are a number of platforms that you can use to deliver the assessment. I often, when I'm talking to people about this, compare it to strength finders. If you've ever taken a strength finders um, assessment, think of it that way that you take the assessment, you get a report back, it gives you useful information. Now, if the association is really going to continue to extend its value, it can offer this assessment not only at the individual level, but also to corporations as well, so the corporation can assess their workforce. And you can take the assessment year over year to see how you're advancing, again, both at the individual and the corporate level. But if your association doesn't have enough programming or content to be able then to help the individual or the corporation to fill these gaps, you're gonna be caught up short. So the wonderful thing about doing the assessments is it's giving not only your members and your customers data, but it's giving you data as well. You can pinpoint the areas of need from a development perspective, and you then can create the programs that fill that need. So we come back to this concept of having a very diverse education portfolio as a necessity to meeting member needs in the future. Now, a lot of things are changing for our professionals today. And, and I mentioned that I think that the pandemic is accelerating, not redirecting, changes that were already taking place or the trends that were already taking place. But I do think it, it's such a seismic event in our, in our economy and in our work lives that if you haven't already checked in with your professionals and talked to them about what's changing, how do they perceive their world, the professional work and world changing today, you need to do that. And think about it in a, in a more broad-based way if you're going to do a survey. So certainly you want to know um, just generally how the pandemic is impacting the profession. So is the profession becoming more important? Is it becoming less important? You want to know about what skills they currently have that they're utilizing. You want to know what skills they don't have that they perceive that they need. But because we're all working from home for an extended period of time, because there's a lot of speculation that a good number of us will never go back to an office setting that will continue to work at home, you need to understand what life is like for your workers as they may be parents of small children and they're working with their children right now to do online education. Um, they have a variety of pressures on them. So the closer you can get to your members and your customers right now and understanding what their life is like, the more possibility you have to tailor your approach to meet their needs, as opposed to, as I said before, just offering the same kind of programming that you've always done. Now this could relate to more on-demand content uh, where we are doing live webinars, for example, the timing of those webinars. This is all information that you're going to need to understand to be as responsive as you possibly can be in your programming to members and what they're experiencing today. In general, if I had to summarize the approach that you need to take, it's more about meeting their needs 
as opposed to dictating their needs. So when we take a one-size-fits-all approach, we're basically asking the customer to conform to us. But what we have to do is have enough diversity and enough variety in program, enough understanding of our members and our customers at an individual level to be able to tailor approach that works for them. And if we're able to do that, we're going to sustain relationships with these members and customers for years to come. My perception is that the association community is really at a crossroads. Things have been changing for the last decade. These trends that we're seeing didn't come out of nowhere. It's been a process and it's been an accelerating process all along and certainly the pandemic has put fuel to that acceleration. And so we're at a point where we really need to do something. I love this quote from Theodore Roosevelt because he acknowledges that we've got choices. In a moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. We have to choose to do something. We simply can't put it off. The good news is it's not as difficult as it may feel or as overwhelming as it may feel to put together an education strategy if we look at it as a process. And that process begins with looking at what we already know about our members and our customers. Every association is a warehouse of data about members and customers. And I often find when we as consultants come in and we're doing an education assessment and we start asking for information that staff members are surprised at how much of that information they actually have. It might be transactional data, it might be behavioral data, it might be demographic certainly information or psychographic information, but associations are warehouses of data. So start by opening up your own closets and looking what you've got to wear. The second thing then you're going to want to do is look at where the gaps in data are and create a plan to fill those gaps. And filling those gaps might involve a survey, certainly, it might involve focus groups, or maybe even just interviewing leaders. But you need to bring your data up to date and you need to get some insight and some direction from that. Once you have this information and you've studied this information, then you're gonna be able to assess your current education portfolio against these needs and these desires that you've pulled out of the data. And it's really just going program by program. Is the delivery on point? Is the content on point? Is the audience on point? What do we need to do to improve our current programs? As important is what do we need to do to create new programs that are gonna meet the needs of our members now and in the future? Once you've done that assessment, you can then just simply develop a strategy for improvement. Develop a plan to fill the gaps in your programming so that your education program really does keep your members coming back year after year after year. I wanna thank you so much for allowing me to spend some time with you today and share my ideas about putting together an education strategy that'll keep your members coming back. If you'd like to talk more about any of these concepts, please feel free to email me at Sharon at orgsource.com. Thanks again. 
I hope you enjoyed Sharon's presentation and discover tips and information that will add value to your leadership style in your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at .orgsource.com to put your group on track to Association 4.0. Thank you.